The best B2B SaaS companies in the world have made the shift towards a demand generation strategy focused on revenue. On revenue. And Europe is falling behind. What about you? What about you? Isn't it about time you made the shift? On this podcast, we interview leaders at the forefront of modern demand generation to help you make the shift and join the movement. Join the movement. We need to drop the MQLs and focus on what matters, leading you into the future. This is the demand generation movement, and this is your host, Adam Holmgren. Okay, welcome to the Demand Generation Movement, and this time it's my pleasure to welcome Sam Dunning, the sales director and co-owner of WebChoice, and also the host of the Business Growth Show podcast. Great to have you, Sam. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me on, man. Looking forward to having a chat today. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, I, I've been seeing you for a long time now in my feed, especially talking about website, about SEO, and all of those goodies, right? And I haven't, to be honest, heard that much about... I'm I'm on episode 14 now, I believe, on this podcast. Okay. And I don't think I've heard anyone talking about these kind of topics, really. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's really great to have you here and kind of deep dive into the SEO world and to the website world and how that kind of fits in with, with an overall revenue strategy or, or something like that. Um, but starting off, like you're obviously an agency owner and a podcast host. Um, I would like to understand how you look at like demand generation or revenue marketing what is that to you yeah 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 so I guess until maybe one or two years ago I didn't even think of what I was doing as demand generation I just thought of it as a long-term way to build brand awareness build up some credibility for myself in our company web choice and make some connections maybe get some sales leads, maybe generate some cash in the bank, generate some revenue from it, really. So <laughs> until I started listening to kind of podcasts like Chris Walker's um, State of Demand Gen and similar, I didn't really think of it as that. So it's more like, for example, when I started this, my podcast, Business Growth Show, two or so years ago, didn't even have that in my mind. I just thought initially I'm going to interview some people that I want to learn about. Over time, I adapted it and it started interviewing um, kind of ideal clients and people we were working with and built relationships and started generating revenue for web choice and started doing solo episodes and, and vice versa, kind of posting on LinkedIn. Again, when I started posting on LinkedIn, like, I don't know, a few, three or so years ago, I just thought of it as a long term mm. way to get in front of target customers, share some useful tips in my case about websites and SEO and hopefully build up some trust, land some clients off the back of it. It wasn't until probably the last year, maybe two years, that I actually thought of it as demand generation as that term becomes more and more popular. Um, but yeah, that's I guess that's yeah. my initial take on it, but we can dive into that deeper as you see fit. Yeah, so I guess you, you were early in the sense that you were working with it before it actually was a topic to be reckoned with, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, like you say, the term's been around a long, long time, but it wasn't really something that I used as as a day-to-day -day, just because I was kind of doing it but without knowing if that makes sense yeah exactly and I mean like the brand awareness term as an example which people might argue be a similar yep. thing has been along for forever That's right right um and it's really cool that you as like a an owner of an agency saw that that was a real you know a real possibility and a real chance because it takes time to build up you know I think you have as you on your personal account have over 20k followers, right, or, and, and stuff like that built, built up over time. Um, 
How did you start when you started posting on LinkedIn? What was kind of the initial goal with it compared to maybe now? You probably don't want to know. <laughs> well, well, when I, I can't even remember when I started a LinkedIn account, but I started a LinkedIn account probably about 10 or so years ago. And probably like most people, when I first started a LinkedIn, I thought it was just an online CV. So I literally just thought, mm. I'm just going to put what I do and this is my job and then kind of left it to collect dust. And then as, as I kind of, because I started off as a sales rep. So when I was a sales exec, then I used it just purely to pitch my products. So I was like, buy my shit. And then started spamming people on DMs, like trying to quote people and get, <laughs> get people to buy my stuff and book calls. And then over time, probably about, I don't know, three or so years ago when kind of social selling and all that good stuff and the likes of Daniel Disney and people that are well known on the LinkedIn mm. space and social s selling circles, I started learning that there was kind of a better way to go on LinkedIn and kind of raise awareness and share daily posts to actually build up trust around what you do, how you help and kind of share useful tips and insights and all that good stuff. And do you feel like, do you feel like that is something that have not only helped you personally, but also the company grow? Definitely. I mean, LinkedIn right now, for example, we don't do any LinkedIn paid. We have done in the past, but LinkedIn organic for web choice is our third um, top channel for generating inbound revenue. So mm. it's, it just shows that it's, it's a powerful channel to, to generate inbound leads and revenue for sure. Yeah, because I, I think there are a lot of companies seeing, you know, the potential of social selling, but maybe even more seeing the potential of building your personal brand and things like that. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I think, um, you know, I'm working in marketing. I think in general, marketers have more of a, there are more marketers probably that builds their personal brand and fewer sales reps that kind of dare to do it. So I think there is a huge potential for sales rep to start building their you know personal brand a lot more yeah um, yeah, yeah i'd agree i think it, it i think it also comes down to a few things because I've, I've talked about this on previous shows there's a lot of sales reps that are extremely successful and don't even touch linkedin because they'd rather prospect nurture mm -hmm. accounts get out there and, and get deals over the line which is fair enough but vice versa there's sales reps that are out there because they're they're sharing content each day they're providing useful tips around their industry they're engaging with relevant connections they're perhaps getting involved in direct messages and all that good stuff and that they're probably getting mm. a steady flow of inbound through that on top of their sales activity. So I suppose it, it depends on what you want to do. But I think long term as things like people become harder to contact via their cell phones, via their mobiles, via email, I think having a personal brand, building that trust over the next few years is going to yeah. become more and more important. Yeah, and another, you know, I guess, source of, of inbound or source of revenue that, that a lot of companies are usually working with is SEO, yep. right? That, that is kind of the main topic we're trying to touch yeah. upon here. So can you just, you know, begin with just why do you think important, like SEO is important to have as a focus? And yeah, let's just start with that. Yeah, so SEO, why is it important? So first and foremost, I mean, if you're going to consider SEO, then your your company ideally needs a clear value proposition you need a clear offering you need a niche in which you operate so if you try and selling everything to everyone seo is going to be super hard work because your markets can be massive so ideally you want a category where you've got a target audience you've got a product you've got a niche now the reason seo is decent is because the chances are people that are in buying mode are going to be searching for what you do so i know you talk about adam a lot um of demand generation demand creation so building awareness over time mm. for people that don't need your stuff now, but when they do your position as an expert. But there's still a decent chunk in most markets where people are ready to buy right now. Um, so they'll search on Google, 
let's say you're a software provider, perhaps they'll search, perhaps you sell CRM, best CRM for small business or best CRM for accountancy company. If mm. they're searching that or terms similar to that, they, they're a high intent buyer. They've typed it in Google. If your website comes up in the top few organic listings on Google, they'll go to your website and they're probably going to request a demo or to speak to sales. So if you can get your website positioned in that organic search through SEO, you've got a good chance of generating a steady flow of inbound sales opportunities. So that's why it's so useful because mm. you can capture people that are in that buying mode right now, or perhaps they're higher in the funnel, perhaps they're in consideration stage, so they're comparing your offering to another offering, or maybe they're very, very early stage, so they're looking up initial tips like how to do something or best ways to do X or what to consider when doing Y. So the good thing about SEO is you can capture buyers right now, or you can capture one slightly higher up in the sales funnel to kind of build up some trust and reputation over time. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a starting point for it. Before we continue this episode, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors, HockeyStack. HockeyStack is a marketing solution that lets you collect and connect your marketing, product, revenue, and sales data to really understand what drives revenue. And from that, you can easily answer important business-related questions such as, what sales playbooks are bringing in the most customers? What is our demo win rate and ACV from paid ad campaigns? And how much expansion revenue is driven by the customer success team? And you do this by simply adding one line of code to your website and product. It couldn't be more simple to start understanding your data and revenue already tomorrow. So check them out at hockeystat.com. And now back to the episode. Janet. I guess SEO is also something that had become more and more competitive over time, right? Especially in these highly competitive categories like CRM to try and own the CRM exactly. topic in, I don't know, the US or the UK. That's a, that's a lot of work probably. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I guess that's also like, I, I'm by no means an SEO expert, expert. Of course, I've been working with it a lot in my role as head of demand, but it's I look at uh, SEO quite simply, mainly because it helps me to kind of create content and all of yeah. that. But I know you think it's more, you know, I, I did a post at one point about it, uh, my super easy, simple playbook that I, I use. And I know that you are, you know, seeing SEO a bit more complex, I guess, or that it's like, it is a lot more to it. And can you kind of elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, I mean, I don't like to overcomplicate things either. So I like to keep things as, as simple as possible. And the truth is, there's, I guess there's a couple of ways of looking at it, Adam. So if, you, if you're working in a super niche market and maybe you're, there's not many competitors and maybe even your location or region specific, then you could rank pretty fast on SEO. So you haven't got many competitors. So there's basically mm. two main elements to SEO. You've got what's called on-page SEO or on-site SEO. So everything you do on your website. And then you've got off-page or off-site SEO, everything you do off of your website. So off-page off SEO might be things like building backlinks, distributing content articles on separate sites to build up your what's called domain authority. So typically, mm. if you start an SEO campaign, one of the first things you want to do is research the search terms or the keywords you actually want your website to be found for. So like you mentioned in the CRM space, if you're just targeting CRM in general, so competitive man you're going against things like hubspot salesforce you've got next to no chance unless you've got like 250 mm. grand a month to spend on marketing you're going to be screwed um so you want to you want to probably want to niche down especially if you're going to be in something in the crm space you want to go into like hyper focused categories so if you 
focus on small businesses, we focus namely on financial companies. You might want to look at like small business CRM for financial companies. So then you've got highly mm. targeted search term. It's also what's called a long tail keyword. So if someone's typing it in, they've, they're quite high intent because they've searched for something quite juicy, quite specific. Mm. So you want to do some good research around your offering, around what you actually want to collect clients for. Um, you can also talk to kind of existing customers, find out what they're searching and things like that. And then you can grab tools like SEMrush or Ahrefs that give you de detailed stats on how many searches these keywords get per month, what the competitiveness is of them, and a bunch of other things. Um, so that's one of the first points, kind of nailing down what you actually want your site to be found for. Then you need to do that on-page mm. SEO. And there's there's a lot, lot to this. So things like looking at your website from a technical standpoint. So looking at things like how fast your website is, your page speed. Great tool called PageSpeed mm. Insights you can use where you can see how fast your site is on mobile and desktop. Um, really important for your conversion rate because if you've got a slow site, you're going to piss people off and they're going to head to a competitor. Um, and also, yeah. it is a Google ranking factor. And other things like your technical build of your site. So your menu navigation structure, your page structure, your page titles, your heading tags, your meta descriptions that sh and titles that are shown in the search engine results. Um, and another simple thing is a lot of businesses just just go for just a two, three page site. But one of the advantages to having quite a detailed multi-page site is if you've got pages, for example, let's go back to Serum, if you've got pages for perhaps each industry you help or each core feature that you offer, they're all searchable, right? So if each of these pages is really informative, it says, look, this is this is the breakdown of this feature, this is the problem it solves. These are some answers to common questions around it or common objections we face. And it kind of covers all angles. Mm. One, you're providing really useful content. And two, that's searchable. Um, so rather than trying to jam everything on one or two pages, if you're really kind of formatting your website, making it as useful and as helpful as possible, that's a big SEO ranking factor as well. Mm. Um, so those are just some basic, what's called on-page SEO points and then after that you've mm. kind of got off-site seo which we can dive into as well kind of building backlinks distributing content and things like that um so would you say before we go into that would you say like let's say you're a company like this that want to rank on a on a more long tail crm word high intent maybe mm -hmm. um would you say it's more important with with on-page stuff or the off-page stuff or is it like 50 50 it's yes yeah, it's, it's kind of a balance because like I was referring to earlier, if you've if you if there's if you've done some research and perhaps you even do a Google search for it, so let's say you do something like small business CRM for financial companies or something similar, and then you see there's not really many relevant results here on Google. In fact, the only ones that are, mm. we look at their content. It's really thin. There's not much copy there. It's not very helpful. And then the chances are you might be able to outrank that quite fast because the competition is low. The content that they've got is pretty poor, pretty thin. So just by putting together mm. something meaty, something helpful, something that's going to cover all angles of your product, your offering, answer common questions, then you might be able to rank it. But if you do some research and there is a lot of competition, what you what you want to do first and foremost is look for angles that you can, like I was talking about then, out, outdo the competition in terms of the content on page and the structure. Yes, do that mm. as well as you can and, and kind of look for angles to beat the competition. But without links going to your content, it's going to be hard to outrank them because those sites have probably got some authority. They've probably been around a while. They've probably already got links to them from other sites as well. So without those kind of backlinks yeah. coming in, you're going to find it quite difficult to to outrank some competitors. So 
And that, that is uh, like something you can also see in these kind of tools, like you mentioned, like SEMrush and okay, these are probably the amount of backlinks from these uh, high authority pages you need to be able to even rank on this. Yes. And how would you, let's say you have created like a, a more extensive content piece than what's already out there. How would you then start thinking about building it off page? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a number of ways that you can do it depending on, I guess, the resources that you've got in-house, or if you don't have an SEO mm. team in-house, then if you're using an agency, for example. So let's look at some free ways first and foremost. I actually wrote a LinkedIn post about this the other day. So there's actually quite an unusual, quite an interesting mm. way to get backlinks, um, which I explored a little bit. So you can actually do podcast guesting is one of the most cost-effective ways to do it. So there's actually a website called Chartable, and there's a bunch of other ones. And what you can do is you can go onto a site like Chartable, you can click on to view the charts, um, you can filter them via location, and then you filter it by category. So you choose the industry or the category that you wanna be in. So in our case, it might be marketing, someone else's case, finance, sports, whatever. Mm. Look at the top 100 podcasts, and then you get whoever from your company is an industry expert that can actually is comfortable speaking on these to cold pitch these hosts of the podcast that are taking guests, whether that's a LinkedIn personalized message, an email outreach, whatever mm. you want to do, something tailored, something, something personalized. I watch your show. I enjoyed X. Would love to talk about Y and Z. I think I can add value, etc. Go through mm. the top 50, top 100. You're going to get some invites. Do the show with them. Do a great show. Have a call to action to your business at the end so it's good PR. And then ask them to do an article on your site, on their site, sorry, after the show, which they'll typically do, a detail page with the podcast release. And ask them for a link back to your page, whatever you're focusing on. So they'll get, a, and a lot mm. of those sites are going to be reputable and they'll do a backlink to whatever article you want them or whatever detail page that you're trying to rank. That's one way. Yeah. Secondly, there are a bunch of um, kind of free network sites that you can post blog articles on around WordPress, uh, blogging sites and so on. So they're quite cheap, quite free ways to kind of post your offsite articles and build them on. Or thirdly, um, you go down the paid route. So unless you know, well, I say thirdly and fourthly, you've got, kind of press release networks, whether they're news article sites, article submission sites, where you can literally reach out to the moderators of these sites. And you can, ideally, this is where you want some articles, some content that's got unique stats, unique data that they don't have already. Mm. So you can basically say, hi, we've got this unique stat around this industry. I think it'd be interesting for your audience. Would you consider having an article on your post? That's more likely to get you mm. picked up, but you're still gonna have to reach out to quite a lot of different article submission sites. Um, or fourthly, you can, there's a paid option. So there's a lot of article kind of, when you're talking about domain authority, typically you're gonna want something with a decent domain authority, like 40, 50, 60 plus. And then you can reach out to certain sites that allow submissions. And typically you're gonna to pay to, to get those involved. And usually they want high quality content mm. as well. So they'll check your piece, you'll make a payment and then they'll, they'll take your article on and build you a link. So would you say, because I, I think I read a lot, a lot of different opinions on this, um, lately at least like it, for you, backlink is still, backlinks are still like one of the major ranking factors. Would you say? I think, like I said, I think there's still, if you're in a really competitive space and you want to rank something that's, that's going to be quite useful to your business, that's going to generate a hefty mm. amount of inbound once you get that search term, because there's a lot of search traffic for it then like I say, just writing the content alone is not going to cut it. Unless you've got some high quality links yeah. going back to that content, you're never going to rank it. Um, even if you do write one of the best pieces, because the chances are the monsters in your industry are already up there and they've got the links there. But mm. if you're something perhaps that's 
kind of got medium term difficulty or more niche difficulty, yes, you might be able to rank it without links. But that's that's kind of my viewpoint on it, really. Before we continue this episode, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors, Albacross. I first started using Albacross a few years ago to identify unseen website visitors and personalize the messaging on the web. But only within a few years, they've developed to be a key player when it comes to buyer intent data. So you get account level insights into every interaction with a potential buyer from Albacross, from awareness all the way down to retention. And it means that Albacross makes it easier to answer all of these key demand questions that we have. Which accounts are ready to buy and should be sent to sales? Which ad campaign are driving the most ICP buyers? And what is my ideal customer account interested in? And how can I better reach them? So if you are trying to figure out these problems, check them out at albacross.com and they'll help you out. And now, back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And what would you say are like the most, you know, obviously you take on a lot of clients and help them with SEO and all of that. What would you say are the most like common faults or pitfalls that you see companies, because most companies work, um, or at least they think they work with SEO, I guess. Um, what would you say are some of those? Yeah, I rant about this quite a lot on LinkedIn. So there's a lot <laughs> of things that annoy me. I think one of the main things is when web agencies say that websites are fully SEO'd. And all they did was install a plugin like Yoast or similar on a WordPress site and just <laughs> clicked a load of Autobot options and said it was done. When the truth is, like we were talking about earlier, there's a lot of things that go into keyword research, making sure you're actually targeting the search terms that are going to drive inbound revenue for your business. Doing on-page SEO really well. So making sure that your website loads lightning quick on mobile PC, making sure your website's got a mobile-friendly design as well as desktop design, making sure you're basically think of it thinking of it from a customer point of view your website is helpful as useful as possible so you've got pages dedicated to each of the main offerings you have around your service around industries you focus on maybe you've got a resources mm. hub with blog articles with press releases with podcasts videos etc that bolster bolster kind of the content allow you to post articles and all that good stuff um making mm. sure kind of technical seos things like metadata page titles are all in shape You've got SEO-friendly URLs around what you offer. So making sure all of that is on point is quite rarely done, to be honest. A lot of websites we inherit that we take on, that those basics aren't sorted. And then kind mm. of looking at an off-page, off-site SEO approach, really. So a lot of those things quite often are neglected. So if a company, say, would like have their, they haven't really done their on-page work, would you say it's, impossible even to do even though the content might be good is it you know it's hard i guess it's going to be a lot more difficult to rank and the thing is off page i mean sorry on page seo doesn't necessarily take that much time um and there's a lot mm. of kind of free things online i mean on my podcast for example there's a bunch of tips on other people's podcasts around seo and digital marketing mm. you can learn it it's not like massively difficult so as long as you get the basics right and your website's not a sham you've got search friendly urls for your page structure you've got kind of clearly dedicated pages you're following some of the basics your website doesn't look like a potato and it loads nice and quick um yeah so as long as you follow those things then you're not going to be in too mm. bad a shape no that's great and as one of the last questions for you i would like to know more about what's actually driving revenue for your company in like in 2022 do you have any like specific strategies, tactic or channels that have worked 
really well during this year because I think everyone is searching for this next, uh, <laughs> yeah. their next thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can, I can tell you exactly what we do. So our number one source for inbound right now is SEO. Naturally, we practice what we preach. Mm. So we've got a bunch of terms that that drive traffic to our site and get leads. Secondly, at the moment is a mix of paid ads. So we do, we were using some of the review sites, so some of the sponsored sites and some paid search. Mm. And then thirdly, we've got LinkedIn organic. So I post daily tips on LinkedIn, have been doing for a couple of years. Literally, if you're not doing mm. it yet, just start building that up because just by posting kind of helpful stuff around your industry to position yourself as someone that knows what they're talking about is is quite straight, straightforward once you get, get the hang of it. Um, and then after that, those are our top three. And then after that, you've got things like referrals, the podcast, so our podcast kind of generates some some revenue through partnerships, through guests we've had on, um, through listeners and all that stuff. And then I've got the email list as well that kind of generates some some inquiries yeah. over time. So those are the, probably the the top five or six that we're that we're involved in. Cool. It was so great to have you, Sam. Uh, and before we we end, you can you can do any shout out you want or uh, describe your services or whatever you you would like. Yeah, to. I appreciate that. Thanks, Adam. So yeah, I host a, a podcast, business growth show, marketing podcast. So we interview experts in in marketing, and I share website and SEO tips. So you can check that out. Um, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's Sam Dunning. Otherwise, if you're perhaps tired of seeing competitors ahead of you on Google search, stealing all your clients and traffic, or perhaps you're investing in marketing, but your website's failing to convert your visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads, then give us a shout. It's webchoiceuk.com. Cool. Thank you so much. Cheers, Adam. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Demand Generation Movement, the podcast where you can learn everything about demand gen and how to make the shift towards revenue. Are you ready to step into the future and join the movement? Feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. This is your host, Adam Holmgren, signing off.